Today on the show, send text, get art. We need five cc's of doctrine, stat. Examine a parish's heartbeat, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. Oh yes, it is time for the Catholic Underground Weekly, the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent, bring you the topics that matter, and allow the dogma to live deeply within you. Uh, It's episode number 351. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, we've got the we've got the roundtable that you've come to know and love. Uh, We've got uh, Kathleen Lee, religion teacher at Archbishop Chappelle High School in Metairie, our locally sourced faith ninja. True. And really, because you were the president of the Japanese Appreciation I Club. I'm the moderator of the Japanese Appreciation Club. Uh, so president. I, you're not president. That's a, that's an elected m- position. Yes. I am assigned moderator. <laughs> you're the moderator. That's um, right. So, so, so really, we never knew how prophetic ninja was. Yeah. Uh-huh. Also, Olivia Galino, she's the associate director of youth and young adult ministry for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Hey, Olivia. Say that three times fast. I, I try <laughs> as fast as possible. And then, of course, up in space, we've got Jeff Blackwell. He is the technical director of the CU. He's the commandant of the Jeff Star 1 near-Earth orbit satellite. That's right. He's up there. Uh, hey, Jeff. Afternoon or evening, Father. That's right. It's British up there tonight, apparently. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Albert DuPont is the chief medical officer of the Jeff Star 1, and uh, he is working the video feed like a surgeon with a suture. Here, here. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, welcome to, to you, Albert, and to all of you who are joining us on Facebook, on Catholic TV, uh, out of Boston and all points in between, on Telecare Television, and uh, gosh, Roku, if you're on there, we're here. Hi. Yep. So uh, it's, it's good to be with Podcast you. Podcast is. If you're, if you're podcasting us, yep. which we, that you're our primary audience, that's how we started, mm-hmm. and that's how we shall remain. Until mm-hmm. the power of sea, we're hoping. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, I found this very, very interesting. Uh, Jim, the leader of the boys and girls in the lab, who uh, helps us with uh, kind of the managing editor of the show, he actually suggested this topic for us, and I hadn't seen anything about it. But the San Francisco Museum of Art of Modern Art has 34,678 pieces of art in its collection. It's quite a lot. And uh, it's, it is a lot. Mm-hmm. But about 1,700 of those pieces are on display at any given time. Hmm. So, you know, you go to the Museum of Modern Art and you might see the giant bubblegum wrapper. I don't know if that's a thing. <laughs> but they only have so much space. Right. But all 34,678 pieces of art are available to see on your phone. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a great idea. So uh, if you text 57251, right, uh, with the words send me, followed by a keyword, a color, red, yellow, green, red, blue, 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 red, whatever, <laughs> or even an emoji, Ooh. and you will receive oh an artwork image and caption via text message. What happens if you send the poop emoji? No, I was just thinking the same thing. I was just, thank you for saying that. Well, you got a phone, don't you? I yeah. didn't want to be the one. I do have a phone, in fact. That's right. So so we'll let you work on that. But yes. So, so yes. the project is called Send Me Sfmoma. Modern Museum Art, yeah. Uh, it allows you to get a picture of roughly anything you want on demand, and all you have to do is ask. Although the anything in that statement's a little rough. You can't just message and ask to see a specific piece, but you can message it and ask for happiness, or the ocean, oh. or a dog. I don't know what happens if you get Jeff Star One, you know. Oh, let's find out. Yeah, well, there is that, you know. So, anyway, so yeah, 57251. We know you're trying it right now. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, I got the poop emoji covered, so y'all try something oh, you're just, else. So you're just mm-hmm. waiting on it to... Yes, we'll to, see what happens. Just oh, waiting okay. on it to, to right. download, yeah. as it were. Uh, I'm willing to accept those charges. And so, <laughs> <laughs> Do they even have collect calls anymore? Well, it, sent, it has a thing that says, you know, this may affect oh, your, your, your... your wireless yeah. data usage. Oh. Mm-hmm. Charge so, me, baby. So, <laughs> so during its beta run, send me Sphomoma returned such a deluge of responses that the original number was blacklisted by major mobile carriers. Wow. And they thought that Sfmoma was spanning, spamming people with art. Huh. So they shut really it down. So all the, all the uh, yeah, they all shut it down. So within four days, more than 12,000 text message requests were received, generating over 3,000 different artworks. That's more than what's on view right now at mm. the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. And, uh, and they sent it to users across the globe, which is kind of cool. Anything come back yet? Did I? There might be a dash in there. Five seven two dash five one. Wait, I got. Oh, yep, I got something. Oh, uh, I got. That was really quick. Eh. It's by David Hammonds, uh-huh. and it's untitled parentheses dung. Oh, mm. <laughs> uh, we're not going to show it to you uh, here on the program. It ha- it's like a coconut-looking thing that has uh, an elephant on it with some other colorful things, and you kind of oh. see oh, it. Oh, okay, yeah. It, nice. I don't, I don't. Go. Modern art. There but you go. You, but exactly. Yeah. But so it, it worked, is. and that was very. I got one. Very yeah. quick. I said, "Send me Jesus." Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. That sounds like a song. And I got one from uh, Eugene Bouchelle. Mm-hmm. Nona Sharp Fish on day of First Communion. In oh wow. Thirty-six. Mm. Very interesting. Okay. So yeah, um, oh. once the museum recognized how popular this service was, they uh, they secured a little short code, you know, to dial in the number that you dial there, mm-hmm. it's, which is a pre-approved five-digit number, so that carriers now know not to blacklist it. It's not spam; <laughs> it's art. But as you've discovered, results results are a little quirky. Yeah, because it's modern art. Because it's modern art. Yeah. But I'm okay with that. That's right. Yeah, relativism at its finest, huh? <laughs> you send it a poop emoji, and you get a coconut. <laughs> Yeah, I actually think that is probably painted dung. Yeah, well, oh. especially because it has the elephant on it. I'm thinking it's probably elephant yeah. poop. <laughs> but, I, well, but you know, this you is go. relevant because for Christmas last year, one of my gifts from my brother was recycled paper made from elephant poop. So uh-huh. we're following a theme here. We're totally the Catholic underground. You're still <laughs> listening yeah. to a Catholic <laughs> podcast. I'm uh, terribly sorry if your gag reflex. That's right. Yeah. Uh, any any vomit on the uh, subway right now that you're probably expelling, um, yeah. we, mm-hmm. we take full responsibility for. Hey, I said send me Jesus. <laughs> you did. You Thank did. you. Thank but you not before you said, I Jeff, wonder what happens if. Jeff, where's my ding? Where is it? Oh, yeah. I, let me see. I, I ordered it. Uh, hold on. It's That's almost right. here. It's on yeah. 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 UPS is backing up I right now. I don't get these very often. Oh, yay. <laughs> okay. I don't get these very often. So... <laughs> so, so. So uh, our studio audience is about to, I don't know, faint, perhaps. Uh, anyway, so results can be a little quirky. Um, uh, Jim, who, who indeed is, is our chief tester, in addition to, to being managing editor, huh? Yeah, he did uh, one he for said, the team. He did. So uh, send me a boat, produced a fridge photo, a landscape with a boathouse, circa oh. 1910, which is a pleasant rural pond scene, he said. Very nice. Uh, send me a saint. Gave me a photo, he says, of a post-Katrina gra- graffiti in New Orleans. Mm. Okay. Uh, send me Italian bread. <laughs> Jim's a man after our own heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he got back a photo of Prada shoes. Close. Okay. Real close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I would like to wear sometimes bread. Bread um, shoes? Oh, yeah, bread shoes. I, I'm That's gross. The crushing uh, The Dutch have been doing it for years. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, those are wood. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, I would like a bread clog, as a matter of fact. Not to be <laughs> a confused with a bread, a bread crock. 
Mm, okay. <laughs> I think there are some double entendres happening, doubly. Anyway, so uh, send me a full church. Gave back a photo of a Fuller Brush man circa 1939. Okay. You know what a Fuller Brush man I, is? I don't. Guys that would go door to door selling yeah. brushes from the Fuller Brush Company. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like Boy Scout popcorn, except it's brushes. Cutco? Cutco. Oh, okay. Cutco. Cutco knives. Cutco with brushes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Would you like a brush? <laughs> exactly. That's right. And, and some t- in my head, they have beards. Well, I mean, how else are you going to no. test it? I mean, if you want to like... <laughs> so you don't have to go to the top of your head. Let me now, here. Mm. I thought we were talking about like paint brushes. I was no, like, no, well, no, I guess that's yet. one way. Okay. Let me take you to the showroom. It's my chance. <laughs> yeah. okay. Right in front of your face. Yeah. Now, when I was a child, my mom, we, we had a fuller brush guy. In our, but it's more like the Avon, you know? Sort of yeah. like this, a whole line of the brushes. And he was a nice guy. He had a suit on, no, no beard. Oh. Uh, but ah, okay. yeah, one of the assortment of brushes that guy had, though. Yeah, but did he have like a case was it like a, oh yeah a, a suitcase yeah. yeah yeah sure was so like cutco but with brushes mm-hmm. yeah like every time i'd open a, a case like that i would make um light and sound come out of it so ah. <laughs> oh i thought <laughs> what sort of deep magic have you been practicing yeah. looks like it yeah there you, you go never know mm-hmm. so and then uh send me an italian restaurant and he says spit out <laughs> spit out more prada shoes <laughs> oh really? yeah i'm thinking italian might be the key word there uh, yeah. Just yeah. maybe they just yeah. need to beef up their collection maybe mm. maybe so maybe yeah. so yeah there it is so uh yeah a lot, lot of fun there um uh, it's an artistic version of the google i'm feeling lucky button do you ever use that button oh not in a long time uh, yeah mm-hmm. it's still there it's still there yeah, yeah. And uh, it's really, I guess, a little relevant for us here on Catholic Underground. It isn't just fun because it's a really good marriage of art and technology. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, but this is in San Francisco and it's modern art. But imagine what you might get if you could text the Met in New York City mm. or, uh, or the Louvre or, dare I say it, the Vatican Museums. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. What that be would neat? happen yeah. if you texted a poop emoji to the Vatican <laughs> Museum? <laughs> oh, no. I have funny yes. things in my head I want to respond, but, you know, yes. yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. You, oh, you man. Get, you'd get a syllabus of errors, probably, it's, you know, a picture of Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you yes, go. A list of band books. Indeed. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but really, uh, it's a beautiful idea uh, mm-hmm. to, to be able to help people to, to engage with art. Yeah. And, of course, one of the things that, that uh, Catholics should do well is is we should make art available because art is its own form of evangelization. You know, this kind of reminds me of something I read about not that long ago. There's some museum that um, they're doing a kind of project where you can send them, email them, text them a picture of yourself, you know, pretty dead on, mm-hmm. and they'll look at the symmetry of your face and they'll try to find um, someone who's been painted or drawn or, you know, sculpted that has the same kind of general, de- they're basically trying to find like artistic doppelgangers. Oh, that's awesome. Oh. Yeah. And I, ever since I read that, I think I pocketed it. I'll have to oh, send you need it to, to you. Find it. Yeah. That would be really Cause I really cool. want to, I was like, I want to, I want to send my picture and mm-hmm. see if I can find my, you know, 18th century doppelganger. I hope what? my 18th century doppelganger has a wig, you know, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be a barrister? Uh, who doesn't? What <laughs> a nobleman, a proper nobleman with a proper wig and a proper whippet. Oh. <laughs> Which is a dog. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. A noble yeah. dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I'm probably going to be a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> Kathleen. Oddly enough, still named Kathleen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not a children's show. It's the 18th century painting yeah. of Kathleen. Mm-hmm. That's right. Jeff, uh, who do you think your 18th century doppelganger would be? I have no idea. I've n- not even thought about I'm it. I'm thinking of Franciscan. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Friar Tuckish situation. 
Oh yeah, or like mm-hmm. the um the what's the friar's name in um in Romeo and Juliet? Oh um oh, I should know this now. I feel terrible. Oh yeah, is this a, yes, you 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 in the studio audience? Who, who is it, Lawrence? Yeah, Lawrence. She thinks that she's going to be heard. Oh, yeah. She, yeah. No, it's okay. The microphone. We don't have an work English major in residence today. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Friar Lawrence. There we go. Yes, him. I think that's right. Yeah. If it's not, well, it's the internet. You'll let us know. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. I can see a good Friar Lawrence and Mr. Jeff. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Mr. There Olivia. No. Yeah, I, but I I think this is a wonderful idea. So uh, mm-hmm. so folks at the Vatican Museums, chop chop. That's right. What are you waiting for? Let's do this. Yeah, and, and I mean. I would love to see this like with graphic design as well too, because mm-hmm. there's some beautiful graphic design that, you know, as, as an artist, as somebody <laughs> who likes to draw and does graphic design, sometimes I don't know if you, do you experience artist block, kind of like writer's block, you yeah. know, where no matter mm-hmm. what you try to do, there's just nothing that will prime the pump. Mm-hmm. This is a wonderful way to kind of prime the creative mm, pump. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all of us need that. In fact, that's one of the reasons that art is there. It's to give us a greater and deeper appreciation for what has been created, um, but what all but ultimately kind of draws us upward, you know? Yeah. Art that draws you downward is only useful in that it's supposed to draw you back upward, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Kind of like uh, whenever there's a villain in a film or a book, right? Yeah. It's supposed to draw you through that and, and to see the other side of it, to see the salvific yeah. uh, bit of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm no English major, but I think that there should be there should be a Paschal aspect to all of this stuff. Well, yeah, be, absolutely. Oh, very good, uh, uh, Jeff. I, I, you know, we're 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 a minute early on this segment, but it's okay. Uh, but I, I think it's okay because That's we really fun. we really should take just a moment after all of this uh, chicanery <laughs> to remind you that we are in fact the Catholic Underground. <laughs> oh yeah, you've uh, you've tuned in to. That boat show we call the Catholic Underground. <laughs> and we're online all the time at catholicunderground.tv. You can find your way through our archives there, and they're slowly getting rebuilt. Uh, I am Father Chris Decker, and uh, we're joined, as always, by the unrepeatable Jeff Blackwell. <laughs> she was all primed and ready too. The inimitable <laughs> Kathleen Lee. Hey, I'm just glad that I wasn't the one who first brought up the poop emoji. <laughs> Usually that's me. Not Happy tonight. to take that for the team, guys. Not True. tonight. You my are friends. welcome. Everyone was thinking it. Everyone was thinking it. And the excrementally audiographic <laughs> Olivia Galino. I'm going to put that on my business card. Thank you. That's right. Mm-hmm. At least you got my name right. <laughs> That's right. Zinger. Olivia Kevin Galino. Our picks of the week are coming up. But first, we thought we would dive into a little bit of, uh, of actual Catholic theology. Because for the longest time, whenever I was in, in seminary and we were beginning to kind of dip our toes into theology, one of our professors would always talk about the doctors of the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and and whenever you're a young college student, you, you, the only doctors you know are your general prote- practitioner, mm-hmm. uh, and then you you also know of those doctors that that sit in an office and have glasses and uh, a bun hairdo and a pencil behind their ear, mm-hmm. a PhD or something. Yeah, like, that. like you're you per- like you're a college that? professor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and to all of you doctors who don't have that situation going on, you know. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> no. So uh, so, but in the church we have doctors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So have you ever wondered what it what it's meant by a doctor of the church? I know that I have. Like, are they medical doctors? Are they what what are they? Yeah. Well, the title doctor of the church, unlike the popular title father of the church. Yeah, the church fathers, mm-hmm. right? Church we talked about yep. that. Is mm-hmm. an official designation that is bestowed by the Pope. Uh, in recognition of the outstanding contribution mm-hmm. a person has made to the understanding and interpretation of either sacred scripture or um, or slash and mm-hmm. uh, the development of Christian doctrine. So, so like Catholic heavy hitters right. yeah. in the so area these are of the, academia and spirituality. These are the big guns, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, starting actually in the 13th century, so cool. not at the beginning of the church, but it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Post began singling out specific saints yeah. Uh, who were exemplary teachers in various theological or spiritual uh, topics. Mm-hmm. And these holy men and women were given the official title of doctor, mm-hmm. which stems from the Latin root word docere. docere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, which would be. Or docere, right, probably. Meaning to teach, right? So these are the teachers docere. of our faith. Mm-hmm. Docere. Docere. Yeah. yeah, to teach. Ecclesiastical Latin, not my thing. Classical Latin. Yeah, C is almost always soft. Yeah. Because the church, she has a heart. She's soft. <laughs> Harden that seat. Santo Apostoli. Anyway, (laughs) all right. So there are actually three requirements. Well played. That's a throwback Uh there. If you remember from your readings. That's right. Oh, oh, that's (laughs) one of mine. Wait a minute. What's happening here? We're getting crazy. There are three. I feel power has gone out of me. (laughs) Kathleen show. (laughs) Okay. There are three actual requirements that must be fulfilled by a person in order to merit being included in the ranks of doctors of the Catholic Church. Yeah. There, um, you know, these are, when you hear some of these names, you're going to go, yep, yep, these people. But number one is holiness that is truly outstanding, even among the saints. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. this is something something different because, I mean, if you're looking at the saints who yeah. are known for their holiness, yeah. you're looking for the holiest of the holies. Right, mm-hmm. right. Not yeah. just among the saints. Not just any old writer. Right. Mm-hmm. Number two, they have to have depth of doctrinal insight. Okay. So they have to know what they're talking about when right. it comes to to um, explaining why it is we believe what we believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number three, an extensive body of writings which the church can recommend as an expression of the authentic and life-giving Catholic tradition. So <coughs> John Paul II mm-hmm. about a year. <coughs> Benedict. <laughs> yes. So these, I mean, they've got to have some stuff behind them that they've, they've spent some time yeah writing about this so that the church can say these people know what they're talking about mm-hmm. and he, look go and here true. and find yeah. it yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. go here and look right so as of 2017 which is this year the official list includes 36 men and women yes who hail from all ages of the church's history now mm-hmm. of these 36 men and women four are women yeah. And the church doesn't think women are important. Mm-hmm. Wrongo. Let me tell you. And, and I think, you know, that's an interesting point because we would say, oh, well, four, come on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't we start naming some? But the list of the four. Yeah, yeah, these are like, if you know any of doctors of the church, I guarantee you know at least two yeah. or three of these women right. because they're that uh, big and heavy hitting. Yeah, yeah, in fact, I would say three of three of the four are kind of household names when mm-hmm. it comes to women saints. Absolutely. Yeah, well, who are they, you might ask? Let yeah, me tell you. Mm-hmm. St. Catherine of Siena, mm-hmm. St. Teresa of Avila, mm-hmm. Therese of Lisieux, mm-hmm. and Hildegard of Bingen. Love her. I don't know her, but I'm super she's, excited with a name like that. She's awesome. Like, yeah. to the point where when I was studying her in uh, graduate school, one of my friends, um, uh, two of my friends, they were about to have a baby, and they were, like, 
we were all pitching uh, names, and yes. I was like, I think Hildegard would be a great, you know, strong name, and I guarantee no one else in her class in kindergarten would have that name. Yeah. <laughs> Did they go for it? No. Oh. <laughs> but you know, sometimes, like when I'm babysitting here, like I maybe I, maybe I call her Hildegard. Like, that's why. I mean, maybe that's a little weird. And, and, I don't know. <laughs> why not? I was gonna say. Yeah. Not quite sure why she doesn't respond to it, but. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. So. Out of these 36, again, these 36 men and women, mm-hmm. 24 are quoted in the uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, and those who are not quoted are Saints Ephraim, Isidore, the Venerable Bede, mm-hmm. Albert who the Great. Who is quoted elsewhere mm-hmm. quite a bit. Yeah. Albert the Great, Anthony of Padua, and Peter Canisius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nicely done. Mm-hmm. That is probably your best Latin pronunciation. Thank you. In over 200 <gasps> episodes. I get two dings today. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So um, these are. And then also Robert Bellarmine. Right. John of Avila. Hildegard of Bingen is not in there mm, yet. Dang it. Uh, because she's a relatively new doctor yeah, of the church. Yeah. She was yeah. a, a, she was proclaimed a, a saint by acclamation, I believe, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pope said, well, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there like, it was. obviously, because she, she was, what, 13th century? Mm-hmm. Or, no, 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 like 12th century. Yeah. Right, yeah. and then uh, Gregory of Narek and Lawrence of Brindisi. Mm-hmm. Lawrence of Brindisi, shoot. <laughs> One day. Kathleen almost went to the prom with Lawrence of Brindisi. Almost. <laughs> Not many people know that. And then I just didn't go to the prom he, at all. He didn't have one of those poster board asks or no. whatever. No, yeah. lame. Yeah, yeah, he wrote a scroll, and that's so... And I said, lame get yeah. out of here with that. Right. So anyway, during the era of the Church Fathers, so approximately uh, 180 to 800 yep. A.D., uh, eight doctors particularly stand out and are called the ecumenical fathers mm-hmm. because of their widespread influence. Now, four of these hailed from Western or Latin speaking half of the Roman Empire. Right. So we have, and these are probably names that you're very familiar with. We have St. Ambrose, St. Jerome, St. Augustine, and St. Gregory the Great. Mm-hmm. Augustine. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Having you fun. You say now. Augustine, she says Augustine. But it's interesting that that so Saint Ambrose, Saint Ambrose is this uh, extremely extemporaneous individual. I mean, yeah. he, his preaching was was bar none, and it was Saint Augustine who heard Ambrose's preaching, and it was that was in a sense his first kind of reintroduction as a young adult to the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really kind of a beautiful thing that you have kind of the doctor, the magister, the teacher. And then the pupil, who now is also a doctor of the, yeah. of the church. That's really kind of cool. And St. Yeah. Jerome, of course, uh, the Bible you get today. St. Jerome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dewey Rames. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Keep going. Sorry. Oh, thank you. And then Gregory the Great, of course, the, the Pope who is, uh, who is, is given the, the title, not just the Great, but also a doctor of the church because of his great uh, uh, writings on the Psalms, mm-hmm. uh, his work with, uh, well, Gregorian chant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so half of these ecumenical fathers, also deemed doctors, mm-hmm. uh, came from the Eastern or the Greek-speaking Roman Empire. That's Saint Athanasius. Yes, mm-hmm. got it. Saint Basil the Great. Mm-hmm. Saint Gregory of Nazianzus. Yep. And Saint John Chrysostom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, golden mouth. Mm-hmm. Chrysostomos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And these, it's interesting that Gregory of Nazianzus and John Chrysostom, those guys, those holy guys, those saint people. Uh, show up more often than not in the Office of Readings. Mm-hmm. They are quoted extensively in the Office of Readings and in, in the Liturgy of the Hours. And yeah. a lot of it you just kind of fall into. It is the Narnia of yeah. of, uh, of, of, of Catholic uh, philosophy. It's really, it's beautiful. You just fall into Gregory of Nazianzus and uh, yeah. his writing. Yeah. 
Yeah, so there are 11 doctors of the church from the Middle Ages, and all mm-hmm. of them except for the last one that I'll list are from the Latin or Western church. So we have St. Bede, the Venerable. Mm-hmm. I just think that's the coolest name. Vener- <laughs> You'd like to be the Venerable no, no, Kathleen? No, no. I'd like to be Kathleen, Kathleen the Venerable. Kathleen the Bede. <laughs> Is that, Maybe the Bard. Is that not right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I can get that. I'm- I mean, I think it would be pretty legit. That'd be my pirate name. Kathleen the Bead. (laughs) Captain Kathleen the Bead. (laughs) Not because of her eyes that follow you everywhere. It's just something she picked for herself. So anyway, uh, St. Peter Damien, St. Anselm, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, Mm St. Hildegard of Bingen, Mm -hmm. St. Anthony of Padua, St. Albert the Great, St. Bonaventure, St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, St. Catherine of Siena and St. Gregory of Narek. Yeah, sounds like a Vulcan, but he's mm-hmm. just from the Eastern Church, the Armenian Church. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what's great? We were talking earlier about Hildegard of Bingen since she came up again, interject this. She don't. She not only had you know amazing um, doctrinal writings. Um, she she wrote a lot about these visions that she had um, of of heaven and the angels, and mm-hmm. so she wrote, she writes really clearly, even though she was basically illiterate, um, mm-hmm. about these very uh, lofty and mystical things that only could have been revealed to her. Um, but she also, I mean, she was an abbess of her community yep. and so she has her right she actually she has a cookbook um what? and I it's like her yeah, yeah it's it's really awesome you can find it on amazon and it's um it's all of her recipes and even like home remedy kind of things of how she took care of the sisters because she was very much um you know a proponent of you know you t- sound mind sound body right um and you know how to how to maintain health in every possible way including spiritually um but yeah so she's awesome also some of her musical writings are really cool too that's Very true. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, moving on with a couple of more lists. There are seven doctors of the Catholic Church who were prominent in the 16th century Catholic Reformation, mm-hmm. um, all from the Latin Church. Here we have St. John of Avila, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Peter Canisius. That's twice. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. St. John of the Cross, St. Robert Bellarmine, mm-hmm. St. Lawrence of Brindisi, and St. Francis de Sales. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Those are all just wonderful and that's the thing like the the so much of what we read today whether it's in the catechism or in the office of readings or sometimes in these little books that you have you know 365 days with the saints you almost always encounter Mm -hmm. uh, well you probably encounter all 34 Mm -hmm. because their 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 writings are so extensive yeah and so one of the requirements is of course an extensive body of writing but Mm -hmm. saint therese only wrote one book during her lifetime uh, and that was her autobiography yet she's considered a doctor of the church and was um was the only saint pope john paul ii declared a doctor during his 26 year pontificate Hmm. her spiritual legacy was seen as extraordinary and john paul ii explained how quote despite her inadequate training and lack of resources she possesses an extraordinary wisdom and with her doctrine helps so many men and women of every state in life to know and love jesus christ and his gospel Mm -hmm. that her writing was just so beautiful um and And so deep and true yeah Uh, during his reign pope uh, benedict XVI chose saint john of avila and saint hildegard of bingen for this title doctor and thus far uh thus far pope francis has named saint gregory of narek so we'll see if there are any more coming up you just never know you yeah. never I think, uh, know Teresa benedict of the cross i think oh, she's, yeah. so you she's probably now. maybe yeah, on a one. short list somewhere i mean i don't know i'm totally speculating but i think that would be really cool <laughs> yeah. i'm just gonna shoot pope francis an email no big deal <laughs> that's right <laughs> i'll write it in latin it'll be fine yeah. and, and you have to wonder with some of them is it an infusion of the spirit that allows them to write in this prolific mm-hmm. way. Uh, maybe you could be a doctor of the church. You got to be holy, so uh, get to writing. We're the Catholic Underground. We'll be right back. Stay right where you are.
A prayer for vocations. O God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live, grant we beseech you through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, Saint Joseph her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Welcome back. You found the Catholic Underground with me, your humble host. <laughs> no, that makes me prideful, doesn't it? Father Chris Decker, also joined by Olivia Galino and Kathleen Lee. Again, I was ready. I'm <laughs> And, and uh, up in space, we got Jeff Blackwell on the Jeff Star One Near Earth Orbit Satellite. Jeff, you doing all right up there? Yeah, I got the bar piece going there for you. Are, are you getting enough oxygen? Plenty. <laughs> Good. Yes. Yeah. I'm living the laughs. And Jeff actually works in a high helium atmosphere sometimes. Mm. It's uh, you know. But not high heels. No, high no, heels. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, okay. that's right. That's, right. Um, that's, right. that's that. not how to get to be a doctor of the church, Jeff. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. We're reaching. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'll say. So, so uh, your parish, wherever it is, you know, it, it could be in Anchorage, Alaska. It could be in uh, in Kuala Lumpur. It could be in Brisbane. It could be in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. Right. Hopefully, it is a parish that is alive and thriving. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the things that uh, that the National Catholic Register just as musing on is is what does it mean to have a parish that's thriving because we all want our parishes our church parishes to be thriving ones yeah and we all want to see life because the the life inside of a parish outside of mass can actually lead you back to mass Mm -hmm. and mass is then what brings you out into the community out into the world and so what is it that constitutes a thriving parish yeah exactly and i think that's a common question nowadays you know because people are starting to see uh, more of the dichotomy between parishes that are thriving and parishes that struggle uh, and looking for what are those distinctions? What are those things that make a parish thrive? And then you see a lot of you know books that are written about this now and, mm-hmm. and programs that are written to address this, like Amazing Parish is one that comes to mind um, on ways to help make a parish thriving. But you know, you first have to figure out what are those kind of ideals that we're that we're striving for. And, and it's you know it's kind of easy to go through a checklist in your mind like, well, okay. What's a sign of a thriving parish? Is it full pews? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, are they active in the community in the way they outreach to the poor, to the needy within their own community and within, um, you know, the larger local community? Um, How about about spiritual growth? Sure. Access to the sacraments? Or even, you know, locations to the priesthood, to religious life. coming from the parish, right? Yeah. And those are all um, interesting ideas as... um, uh, possibilities not, yeah, yeah it's possibilities mm-hmm. but it's interesting because they're all fruits of something mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. vocations is uh, are a fruit of something else that's happening right yeah. um and yeah christine in the chat says youth ministry is very important mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. even good youth ministry is a fruit yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so you have to look at like kind of start like peeling away the layers of the onion to figure out like what is at the nexus what is the core of what makes a parish thrive mm-hmm. um and so that's re- this uh this conversation that they're having at the national catholic register is really about like kind of trying to drill down to that core um and it's an interesting question because just as every parish is a distinct community with a distinct personality you can say uh, every parish is going to have its own blueprint to success mm-hmm. um and, and that's true within a diocese even you know yeah. within a diocese you may be large geographically you may be small geographically 
geographically, but you have different cultures and different um, kind of societal rules that govern even a small community, and which makes going from one parish in a diocese to another parish in the same diocese a really different experience. Right. Which yeah. means that whatever one parish does to thrive, you know, you can't copy and paste it to another mm-hmm. and expect it to just magically, work. yeah, right, right. magically mm-hmm. work out. Um, so Elizabeth Defner at the NCR says, you know, for a parish to genuinely thrive in the sense of what the church means by fruitfulness or effectiveness, it has to embrace the mission of the church, which mm. is to evangelize. To evangelize. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes we forget that that's really the essential yeah. mission that we get from no, no other place than Matthew's gospel of mm-hmm. Jesus saying, go out, make disciples. Yeah, in Matthew 28. Teach them, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's true. I think we hear the word evangelize, especially in the context of the new evangelization, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, we need to d- define that better. But um another topic for another day. That's right. Um, But, you know, when you think about evangelization, we often think about like, it's about us as Catholics going out and evangelizing Mm non-Catholics. You know, it's it's almost, we're still in that, that biblical idea of, you know, like the, the believers evangelizing the Gentiles Mm -hmm. or, you know, the, the, the Christians, the early Christians evangelizing the Jews. Mm -hmm. It's always about like a sense of otherness, but really evangelization starts with us. Yeah. with you, you yeah. know, um, we have to be re-evangelized and it's not just something that happens once, you know, like we hear deep and profound conversion stories and those are, you know, usually evidence of an evangelization moment, mm-hmm. but that has to be something that's continual, right? You know, that's because right. it's, it's easy in a certain sense for someone to have that, that big moment and then, you know, something else happens and it, and it kind of starts to break away those foundations when mm-hmm. another moment is necessary. Yeah. So it's just, you know, cultivating that relationship with the Lord um, that makes your own evangelization fruitful, you know, if, if talking about you and, and Christ and you and the church. And then from that, it just overflows. You know, it's something right. that it doesn't become like a an extra job that you take on. Like, okay, today I'm going to convert five people. I'm going to talk to at least 10 people about Jesus and I'm going to see what my success ratio is. <laughs> That's right. You know yeah, it's mean? not about numbers, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and in fact, just, the Popes have talked about this quite a bit. Uh, well, going back as far as, it, in my brain, as far as it, Leo the Thirteenth, mm-hmm. farther back, Pius the Tenth, right, all the way back, mm-hmm. it really is about a theology of encounter. Yeah, that Jesus is not a concept; he's a person. Right. And and the work of evangelization, which is why he gave it to the apostles, is introduce them not just to my commandments, but introduce them to me. Yeah. Because by by living the commandments, you are with your own flesh pouring out who I am. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's something that I actually did with um, some of our, our youth board kids recently. Um, we were, I wanted to talk about faith and I realized it was like, you know, before you talk about, about Jesus, you have to talk to Jesus. You, yes. know, you have to, to really right. encounter him. And I was like thinking about in myself, you know, what does it take to encounter Christ? And I, I realized, you know, what does it take to encounter another person? Mm-hmm. It means eye contact, vulnerability, looking them in the face. Yeah. Being open to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just basically like pouring it all out there. Mm-hmm. So we did like a devotion to the Holy face and we just talked about really? Christ. And mer- yeah. Wow. Um, and, and because I, I realized, you know, and one of the things I said to them was like, you know, imagine like sitting in front of someone and making eye contact with them for at least 10 seconds. And I had them do it. And I was like, okay, on a scale of one to severely, how uncomfortable was that? And they were That's like, right. mm, it was really uncomfortable. <laughs> and we talked about why. Yeah. And they were like, because it was, it made me be vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like, we make eye contact with our phones so eh, well. Nope, you know? nope, yeah. nope. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like when we, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, it's about that vulnerability. Um, and, and that's what the magisterium is really calling us to do, especially now, especially in these moments of where we're talking about missionary mm. discipleship. It starts with that relationship with the Lord yeah. um, and that personal encounter with the living Lord Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, you know, central to all of this, I would say, and so they agree at, at the National Catholic Register is the availability of the sacraments. Yeah. Um, and they're finding that um, they talk about one church, St. John the Baptist in Costa Mesa, California. Um, they have a community of Norbertine priests. Oh, and they're wonderful. Um, yeah. They're great The Norbertines priests. are awesome. And the, that there particular... There was a, a, a baseball player uh, for a minor league team. Or was it the Oakland days? I can't remember. Anyway, he joined the Norberdeens. That's oh. awesome. There. Mm -hmm. There's actually, I learned recently that the kicker last year from Georgia Tech is at Seminary New Orleans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Love that. Surprise. Um, <laughs> That's right. Hello. Uh, <laughs> anyway, access to the sacraments. Yes, yeah. access to the sacraments, as we were talking about. Um, so this one particular uh, parish, St. Michael's Abbey in uh, Silverado Canyon, California, they offer confession five days a week and mm -hmm. opportunities for a weekly hour of adoration. Um, and they also do a, a monthly day of adoration. Cool. Um, and I mean, it's something like that isn't out of the realm of possibility. Right. Um, because I think the more you create opportunities for something, the more you'll create interest in something. Right. Um, and especially like I had someone who's new to town text me the other day and say, Hey, do you know about an opportunity for confession before daily mass? Mm -hmm. Um, yes, I do. Yeah. And yeah. I was like quickly like, Actually, matter of fact, I know of a couple different options mm -hmm. in case your schedule won't allow for one, you know, and mm -hmm. it's good to have the, that kind of availability. Um, and, you know, consistency is important, too. Like, even if people don't show up, like still being there um, and right. creating those opportunities. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the weekly hour of adoration, you know, some parishes certainly are not going to be able to sustain perpetual adoration because right. that's right. a big undertaking. Yep. But an hour a week. That's pretty doable. Yeah. That's one you know? of the things that, that I have found in my parishes is that where Eucharistic piety is lacking, parish life is, is on life support. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I know I'm looking at ways in my own parish to, to try to um, kind of rekindle Eucharistic devotion. Because if we believe that the Eucharist is the source and summit of our life, if it is from the Eucharist, from Jesus himself in the Eucharist, that all of our power flows as the church, mm -hmm. then that, that has to be central. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they talked to Sequoia Sierra, which is an awesome name, by the way. She's it is. a designer and entrepreneur in her late 20s who lives in this Californian community. And she talked about this. She said the availability of the sacrament, the sacraments, lends itself to having a more devout congregation. You know, she mm -hmm. would agree with you. She said that uh, in turn, it inspires the faithful to participate, be more involved in their faith, and therefore to be more involved in the parish. You know, it, it really comes down to ownership. Yeah. You know, how much you, do you take ownership of your faith? first right. and foremost, because then you're going to take ownership of your parish. Mm -hmm. You're going to want to apply that in a really practical way. Cause that's, I mean, that's who we are. Like we, we St. Thomas Aquinas, one of our doctors says that, uh, doing follows being. So yeah. we first have to, you know, like take something into ourselves and make it our own. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, first and foremost, our faith, our relationship with, with Christ. Um, and then from that, we can start to overflow. We can start doing, and it'll be really fruitful because it's based in something solid. It's based in something that's true. Yeah. Um, and you know, yeah. parish life is, is kind of a necessary extension of that. You know, it's, it's the, the next logical step in a certain way, um, for, for that, that faith to be real, to, for, to, for that faith to be practical. And so once you have, uh, have met Jesus and you have desired to make him known to others, that's when you begin to, to go out mm -hmm. and not just not just into the community, you know, at the supermarket and say, hi, can I offer you a free hug and a little uh, you yeah. know, little time with Jesus? No, no. Within your own community, certainly you start with your own parish. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And that's really what parishes exist for. You know, they're they're not this kind of civil entity that just mm-hmm. you know they they exist to be bureaucratic. They they exist to build community. Right. Um. Because we're we're not on this journey alone. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. I it's, mean, it's not just my individual experience with Jesus that then moves me towards heaven. But there was a phrase I heard a number of years ago, Jeff. Uh, we are all damned or saved together. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that we, we really do move uh, towards heaven. We, we, uh, we walk towards heaven together. Yeah. Benedict says that in Space Alvi. He says, no one sure is saved does. alone. Mm-hmm. No one is condemned alone. And that's hard for us to imagine because everything, especially in the United States and the West, we think of this kind of radical, personal walk with Jesus Christ mm-hmm. apart from our parish or apart from our community, mm-hmm. which, of course, is just feeding into this kind of faux gospel of, uh, of relativism. Yeah. But to see ourselves as, as parishioners in a parish, that means that we do see ourselves as our brother's keeper, mm-hmm. which I believe was the gospel for this weekend. You know, mm-hmm. if your brother causes you to sin, go first to your brother and, and be reconciled with him, you know? And if you and if he listens, you've won over your brother. You're a parish, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're coming together, right? Yeah. 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 So when we talk about catechesis and evangelization, it starts within a parish. You know, before mm-hmm. you can go out and try to, you know, wrangle people into the pews, it starts with, okay, we need to we need to work on ourselves. We need to we need to look inward. You know, we need to yeah. look at the the speck in our own eye before we look at the plank in anyone else's. Mm-hmm. Um, and and parishes are are really the nexus of that community. I mean, think back to not even that long ago, like a hundred years ago, you know, parishes, a parish church was the center of the town. Yeah. You know, everything was built around yeah. the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Including, um, uh, including extracurricular life. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like you went into a small town, you knew exactly where the church was because yeah. it was in the, the exact center and everything else spiraled away from that. But now, you know, there's, we don't have centers to our towns. We just kind of glom things on as we need more room and we just have to go and search. We, you know, Google where the nearest parish is um, because that's just our life is is becoming more and more yeah um, i would say that the parish church for a thousand years was the original google right you start there and go i'm feeling lucky where's yeah. the baker you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly everything spiraled out from that main uh center point yeah. um but you know even though that's not the reality that we live in anymore, that architectural reality, you know, parishes still exist to build that kind of community. Um, and there's a Patrick Novakowski. Um, he's a parishioner at St. Agnes Church in Naples, Florida. So we hope you're doing okay. Yeah. Um, he says that if those things are going on, those, that kind of catechesis and evangelization, uh, and there's a plan for building community, there's a plan for catechesis, you can't help but have a thriving, dynamic parish. Yeah. Um, and his church, St. Agnes, is a parish that's filled with a mix of seniors and young families. Um, and together, those two groups make up a very active community. They work together. And he says it's in no small part because the parish seeks out parishioners and mm. invites them to put their talents to work. It says rather than just whoever has the time to volunteer, there's a real discernment. Who has what gifts? Where do those Mm -hmm. gifts fit in the parish? And I think that's really key too, right, Kathy? Well, you got to know, you have to know your your people. And, and, you know, if somebody sends out this thing and says, hey, we need carpenters. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I'm, you know, if I'm a carpenter, I may or may not. But if somebody seeks me out and says, hey, I heard that you have a, a, a gift, for, gift this. for this. Yeah. Like, I mean, I talk about them all the time, but Dunbox Ministries does a fantastic job of this. Brian Butler will call me on the phone and spend about 10 minutes just like, just buttering me up with like, oh, and you're so good at this. And like, you have this great gift. And now I, I know need- that Brian yeah. Butterface. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it's like, and now I need you to commit to this for like six months. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> whatever you want. But like, mm-hmm. but to be a- acknowledged for, for the gifts and the talents that we have and then invited to use those, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I think that that's, 
you know, it's so important when Mm -hmm. in doing any kind of ministry to get people involved, to get people invested, Mm -hmm. um, and to get people active in what you're trying to do for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a, it, that's a real, um, that's a way to, to feel a sense of belonging in a parish, you know, because you can do the things that you're not good at, but you're not going to, like, feel in an emotive sense that, like, yeah. I'm really contributing something because you and yourself know, like, I'm really not that good at this. Yeah. So my contribution is a little bit dismal. But if you're contributing in a way that, that is meaningful to you because it's a gift that you've been given and, and this is a way to, to give that back in a, in yeah. a you know, a true way, then, then you're going to be more invested in it. You're going to, you're going to want to continue that to grow that ministry and maybe even expand it into something else. That's right. Uh, yeah. The, the foot can't say I'd rather be an eye if the foot is really good at being a foot. Yeah. Sure. And, and that's the, the beautiful thing about the parish is it takes all of those different types of talents and gifts to, to make up the mystical body of Christ. That's, yeah. why, that's why no one is excluded from being a member of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, you, if you wish to, to undergo the, the initiation, the, the, um, the, the walk towards the way, no one is excluded from that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think, Kathleen, I think you hit on a really important point, too, about you know, reaching out to people um, as an important part of a a parish thriving. Um, Because I think that's a problem, especially with young adults. You know, we go, we we move around a lot, first of all, and then we go into a new parish and it may be three months before anyone says, oh, hey, are you new here? And you're like, "Mm, I've been here for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it could be like six months, a year, and you're still like sitting alone in the pew. No one talks to you after mass, which is not to say that like it's all on everybody else, but it's, you know, you're one person, they're 900. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so I feel like particularly with young adults, like hospitality is something that we need to to beef up. I've been to a couple of masses where it's an awkward thing because it's not really traditional, but like, you know, where the priest beforehand has been like, all right, who's new? and people are like yeah mm-hmm. and then they're like go get them parishioners and the parishioners are like hey you know good to-. and at first you're like that's Here, drink weird. this coffee now yeah, drink yeah. It. but it's so i mean like how I, i'm sure there are other ways to do that but we need to be doing that because yeah. i don't i don't walk into my church now and recognize who's new or not mm-hmm. you know yeah and so that's the thing people. too is yeah. the priest doesn't have to call it forth the parishioner can be scanning yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. that's a new family mm-hmm. and, and instead i think sometimes what we can do is go hmm they're new yeah. yeah but we don't go any far farther yeah. than that yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah or like i had someone um i met a few weeks ago say like oh i've seen you in church and i'm just kind of like well you never said anything you know like yeah. Yeah. not to here be I mean am. but just like <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean I've, I've been here for three years <laughs> like, yeah that's right um that's right. we've been it, waiting here in the vineyard and no one has hired us yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly uh-oh the gospel mm-hmm. again sorry <laughs> um but they pull they pull another uh another priest john bertoli um from saint ambrose cathedral in des moines um he looks at at hospitality is a kind of key to parish success yeah. too. Um, especially interesting because in his parish, about three fifths of his parishioners, so three fifths of 775, you can do that math. About three fifths of them are refugees, ah, um, particularly yeah. from you know South Sudan, Burma, Eritrea. Like the rest are kind of mix of Asian, Hispanic, Anglo. So he's got a real mix there, which means that. You know, there's there's definitely a want of belonging um, right. and a real mm-hmm. tangible sense of I don't belong when mm-hmm. I'm not being welcomed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his parishioners, 
from all kinds of cultural and socioeconomic backgrounds, they band together in their ministries. Um, they serve mass together. They volunteer as catechists in the religious ed program. Um, and he says that, you know, once people see a faith community based in outreach and hospitality and welcome, that's when people get excited. That's when they get interested because then they feel like they have a place where they belong. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's really what it means to be missionary. You know, mm -hmm. we talk about being missionary disciples. That's where it first starts is, you know, cultivating the community around you. And that means just being hospitable, just saying like, Hey, yeah. you're new here. Even if you, you know, you recognize the person that they've been there for a while, you just haven't said hi. That's yeah. fine. Go up. Yeah. Say hi. And, uh, and then it extends into a life of service. You know, that's another kind of attribute that we see in thriving parishes or that we're starting to is, is just a real love for service. Yeah. Um, and the Christina parish in the chat room says the disasters we've experienced through this last year's flood mm -hmm. uh, here in, yeah. in, in the in Louisiana has opened our hearts of compassion and helping our neighbors in Texas who are just beginning to experience the long road of recovery. And the diocese is taking part in this. And I imagine the same thing will happen in Florida as well, yeah. is that we'll, we'll spread our arms in the other direction as well. Mm, but, yeah. but that's part of it too, is if, if my parish informs how I live my life on a daily basis, then it means I can then reach out beyond the boundaries of it too. Yeah, yeah. You know? mm -hmm. yeah because you know, when you start by being neighborly to the people who are literally your neighbors sure. in, you know, on your street, but also, yeah. yeah, or like just your neighbor in the pew. Like I happen to sit next to you every day for three years, you know, every Sunday in mass, you know, that that's your neighbor in a real sense. And it starts there. Yep. And then you realize like, oh, wow, like the world is really, you know, mm -hmm. my neighborhood. And so I have to extend beyond this reach, but then you do it together. You know, like you're seeing a lot of parishes now who are, are banding together to help parishes in Texas, yeah. in, you know, South or Louisiana. in their own diocese. Yeah, really. Cases, yeah. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been seeing a lot of things where, um, parishes are collecting donations. I mean, even the Catholic radio station here is collecting donations. Yeah. Um, and you're doing it as a community. You're depending on each other and saying, yeah. okay, we got to do something. Sure. And then you're, you're using that as a way to, to reach out to someone who, who genuinely needs help. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it's interesting too that people are, are like contributing um, in the comment boxes to this article. Um, oh yeah. One of them said that he noticed that the greatest indicators of the health of a parish is whether or not there's a strong sense for the need of sacrament of reconciliation. That's true. Yeah. Mm. Um, he said in traveling, I've noticed that the most welcoming and vibrant parishes have long lines for confession. And you know, I read that at first, and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then I thought about it, and that's absolutely the truth. You know, the parishes that I go to, where I have to get there an hour early for mass in order to barely make it to confession. Yeah. Mm. Those are the parishes that I stick around, and I notice like they're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah. The parent, the parish that has a, a, a knowledge and a need for mercy yeah. is the parish that will then extend mercy. I believe that's a beatitude, huh? Mm -hmm. Blessed right. are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Mm -hmm. Blessed are those who know that they need God's mercy for they will then be able to extend mercy. I just flipped the script there, but you yeah. get the idea, right? Yeah. So yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so, yeah. I mean, in the end, like, a thriving parish is going to mean different things to different people and different actual locations. But you know, when you drill down to the core, it comes down to like love of Christ and mm -hmm, love of sure. God yeah. and how that reflects in your, your community and your outreach. Um, and that's what it's going to mean to really thrive. You got to start there. That's I think right. that's yeah. what, you know, starting with the sacraments is really about. Yep. We almost, we must start at the beginning, which yeah. is, which is the sacrament, the source and summit of our faith. Uh, I would say maybe the source and summit of our podcast is the part of the show <laughs> that we like to call the CU pick of the week. 
I see what you did there. You see yeah. what I did? I, actually, the uh, source and summit is Jesus, also of our podcast. Of but I, I had to segue away. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Now you know. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, so for our pick of the week, uh, how about Kathleen? You actually have a show and tell, or did you? No, no, oh, I don't have a show and tell. No? This one. Oh, you. Oh, that was no. not. That was that was the That's other one. That's another one. Yeah. This is okay. Keep going. <laughs> Get ready because that one might be coming. Okay. No. So, oh. I, like, I feel like I say this all the time, but this I encountered this at Echo. Y'all, if I haven't said it enough, you need to go. I just, you just need to go. Young adult high school, you need to it's go. It's kind of a big deal. This year at the um, at our our young adult week, uh, we had uh, this this great young adult her name's christina and she had she'd brought these two bibles um, she, and speaking of artists right good catholic art um she had decorated the covers and she is a she's an artist and she's is it a acrylic painter. paint uh, yeah i think so um hmm. but she had she um if you go to her instagram Insta. which yeah is um at chasing underscore big b um, I know All right. she's talking about chasing beauty and stuff, but, uh, this is where she has the most pictures of what she does. Um, but it's just beautiful, beautiful art of, uh, and she customizes it. And if you, if you're looking at it, the one that she has, uh, it's a blue one with the creation of man. And, uh, right next to it is, um, her if I had done my Tuis. homework, I'd have it for you. That's I'm sorry. Okay. I don't have it on the um, screen. And the watching. one that that's next to it is Totus Tuus, the one of, uh, Pope St. John Paul II. Um, just beautiful, beautiful work that she's done. And a couple of friends have, have asked her to do, um, custom work. Um, and she, and they give her ideas about like one of my friends, Alex was in the production of garden. And so she did one with Adam and Eve on the front and Mary and Jesus on the back. And her explanation of it is just incredible. Cool. There's some deep, deep theology that it's like, it's not just, Oh, here's a, you know, a pretty picture that I'm a paint on the front of this. Um, there's, there's prayer and, and thought and, you know, description into all of what her art means. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you can, um, check her out at, on Instagram at, at chasing underscore big B or her Etsy uh, shop is chasing beauty Bibles. Cool. Um, and she says just direct messenger. Yeah. She's so awesome. Awesome. If you want something like this done, it's a beautiful gift. She'll personalize it um, to what it is that's in your heart about, uh, about scripture and, and your prayer life. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Olivia, your pick of the week. Yes. My pick of the week as always is boring compared to Kathleen. <laughs> no. but, but, but needed, but, but necessary. Super needed. Yeah. yeah. So just in general, my pick is a UV lens filter. So, okay. If you own a DSLR camera, which seems a lot of people are nowadays, I, I kind of dabble in photography. Uh, and just today I was out taking um, some headshots for my lovely, beautiful friend and who's in the studio audience today. And, um, I noticed that, um, I remember that the last time I had put my camera in this little tote bag, it had rolled off and did this little somersault onto my, my floor, but it's oh, in no. this little protective bag, like, mm -hmm. you know, foam thing. And I was like, oh, it's fine. I pulled it out today and my, my lens cap was wedged into It my, was not fine. It was not okay. It was, it was, <laughs> it was really not okay. So I eventually got the lens cap off and I realized that it cracked my UV lens filter. Mm -hmm. However, my lens itself was fine. Um, so it's a and second layer of protection it is. as well as a UV filter. It is. And that's the, the sole reason that I keep it on my lenses. All of my lenses is for, you know, to protect against scratches. But also if you drop it, it's going to hit that filter first and you, it might be hard to get off, but you can get it off and your lens is going to be fine. Mm -hmm. So, you yes. know, you pay another $300 or you pay $7. Yeah. So I pick I wish, the seven. Yeah. I pick the $7. <laughs> that's that's yeah. good. That's so, a good number there. That's my practical advice. If you own a DSLR camera um, and you want to. Get a UV wanna, filter. 
you get a UV filter. So I, I have a link to the one that I use, but you know, every lens is different size. So you gotta, you gotta find the one that fits your lens, but yeah. And, and that'll live in the one. show notes in the fullness of time. Once we get the show yes. posted, uh, Jeff, your pick of the week. Yeah, it's going to be a quick one too. So okay. we'll have time for yours. John Finch, oh. uh, Louisiana Catholic recording artist. Uh, the texture of his voice is just indescribable. He's, mm. he's, he's terrific. He's got a brand new album called wildfire. Oh. Go to his website, John Finch You can see where he's going to be near you. He's got uh, he's got quite a lineup of, of of guest appearances. I don't want to call them concerts because it's really it's beautiful worship yeah, music yeah. and oh, uh, yeah. uh, but uh, check it out. Wildfire John Finch Music Very cool. My pick of the week is uh, the startling sequel to uh, to Mighty Jack, and this is Mighty Jack and the Goblin King. Now, uh, this is Ben Hackey's uh, sequel, and it may very well be a prequel to something else. I don't want to give it up. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's kind of a a, a fun retelling of uh, of Jack and the giant Jack the Giant Slayer, right? Jack and the Beanstalk, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's really well drawn, very well written. But uh, I'll just go ahead and warn you that you'll probably want to get the first book in the series, uh, which is Mighty Jack. And mm-hmm. uh, and because this one picks up in medias res, it picks up mm-hmm. right where it left off. So Very so nice. Jack and the Goblin King is book two um, of uh, of Ben Hatke's uh, series here. And so, uh, but, but the art, I mean, really really good stuff. It's beautiful. Oh artwork. yeah. So, cool. so that's my pick of the week. I do like the comic books and uh, Catholic comics uh, by Catholic artists telling old stories good stuff yeah that's my my pick of the week well you know uh here on the catholic underground we are always grateful to you who support us and know that we support you with our prayer Uh, i pray for you every day and uh and certainly uh jeff we thank our benefactors and those who pray for us yeah this week catholic underground is possible because of people like you join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate and portions of the Catholic Underground are brought to you by audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. That's audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. Also by Mystic Monk Coffee. More information so at Catholic, catholicunderground.tv. That's right. If you like the show notes for this episode, you can always go to catholicunderground.tv or catholicunderground.com or any of those. Uh, also, if you want to go to our podcast audio and subscribe to the podcast, you can do that. You can also see the video stuff uh, as we post it. It's there on the uh, the show notes page, right? So yep. for every post, you get all the stuff that we talked about. And uh, yeah, that's that's the way that, that goes. CatholicUnderground.com, you find it all. Uh, our panelists this week, you've had Kathleen Lee, the benefactress. <laughs> she is more now than ever, the faith ninja. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kathleen. Anytime. <laughs> also, uh, Olivia Galino, at OMGalino on Twitter. Do you ever check your Twitter feed? I don't. No, there you go. <laughs> but I'm still there. It's Instagram. still there. Instagram's right. good. Yeah. 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 I mean, we should start putting our Instagram yeah. handles. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Blackwell is the technical director up there on the Jeff Star One. Thank you, Jeff. It's a privilege, Father. He's at Jeff Black Black Black, Black Jeff Blackwellis on Twitter. <laughs> do you check your Twitter feed? I do. Oh, good. Okay. Well, there Better you go. Than I am. Uh, our research assistant, the leader of the crew in the lab, is Jim Hayes. Uh, you really did a good job this week, Jim. Mm-hmm. Our video director this week has been Albert the Great. And the great. you know me. I am Father Chris Decker. You can find me on Instagram or on Twitter at Digital Catholic. We hope that we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We're the Catholic Underground. We're Faith Gone Digital. We'll see you next time.